The Right Optics by Silmo. Presented by Nick Koffer. Industry voices, insight and inspiration. From the leading trade show for eyewear and optics. 32,000 visitors, over 900 exhibitors. The Silmo Door Awards, panels, lectures and one podcast. Yes, once again, The Right Optics by Silmo is bringing you all the colour of this year's trade fair, an edition which has surpassed, I think it's fair to say, everyone's expectations. The two halls have been buzzy and bustling, exhibitors have been confident, and customers have been placing orders. Silmo, as ever, right at the very heart of the optical industry, leading the discussion, setting the trends and bringing everyone together. There'll be three episodes in English from this year's show and three in French. Coming up in this episode, we've got Silmo Door winners Cutler and Gross and Essilor Luxottica. We'll hear from Mikeita, winners of the very first Silmo Award for Responsible Business. Emily Morel, president of Silmo, shares her thoughts on this year's event. And we'll meet the husband and wife team behind Colibris from Germany, who specialise in frames for small faces. As ever, if you're enjoying these episodes, please do rate them in your podcast app. And don't forget to click on follow to be notified of all future episodes. Right, let's go to Hall 7 to meet the Silmo Door winner for best optical frame in the eyewear designer category. Colour and Gross won with their beautiful black cat eye frame and I caught up with sales director Jack Dooley on a very special part of their stand. This is the, um, the Cutler and Gross whiskey bar. Um, it's quite nice. We started it about two years ago. Uh, we had two or three whiskies. We now over have uh, 12 different kinds. Uh, our Irish whiskey, of course. We've got Japanese whiskey. We've got scotch. And we have some American, but nobody really drinks that. But. <laughs> and here we are on day four, and you're all still standing? Yeah, barely. You can hear by my voice. Um, we had a great night on um, Saturday because uh, we were presented with the Silmo Door. So uh, we were out until three o'clock in the morning, which wasn't great for Sunday, which is the busiest day. So, But I'm still standing, still here, still alive, and... Thank God I'm still smiling. And I'm here for the Silmo Door, and I've got the frame in my hand here. We'll talk about it in a moment. First, a little bit about Cutler and Gross, because obviously a heritage brand, a historic brand, but also a brand that, that underwent a bit of a refresh maybe four or five years ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, for us, uh, obviously we had a very, very strong DNA. Um, I guess traditionally we were very, very retail orientated, as we've got uh, six retail shops um, I joined the company uh, just under seven years ago um, Fionn Mohammedi, the um, CEO wanted to branch out into wholesale um, that's my background so um, we started off getting more and more of the independent agents obviously uh, product was a, was a huge consideration for us and um, we own our own factory in uh, Cadore in Italy um, where we make only cut and gross products so Uh, we kind of set about trying to change the product from, I would say, mid to high range to, to real luxury eyewear, I would say. Kind of quiet luxury is kind of what we call it. And an attempt to reach the quality levels, let's say, of the, of the classic Japanese brands. Yeah, yeah, that would, that's kind of our, you know, our aim was because, um, you know, in, in Europe, um, I would say there's a lot of mass market that's made. Um, but now the, the real growth is in the luxury segment. Um, and that's what we're really aiming for is the finish, the techniques we use, the way we treat everything, not making too many things, I would say, and treating everything as a special piece of um, piece of fashion, I would say. You mentioned they're winning the Silmo Door. Now, look, there are thousands, tens of thousands of frames here at Silmo. Uh, many stand out. For me, the winner of, of the best frame, Silmo Door, it has to be something that, that almost stops you in your tracks and almost challenges you. You, you look at it and you're going to go... Right, where do I start? And with this frame here, where do I start? I think is actually a really good way of putting it. Uh, she is magnificent. She is 
um, uh, glossy black and gold. I'm going to ask you to describe the, the geometry because it, it, it's utterly unique. This is a frame that, that stops you in your tracks and makes you ask the questions as to what you're looking at. Yeah, I would say it's a kind of a, a diamond shape, I would say. Um, it's actually based off an old frame from the 1970s that Elton John had specially uh, commissioned from Cutler & Gross. So we only have, we don't call our frames names, uh, you know, because uh, Cutler, uh, Graham Cutler, one of the founders, never wanted to put anyone off um, a frame. So if it was a Juliet, he didn't want a man not to wear it. And if it was a Romeo, he didn't want a, a, a woman not to wear it. So everything is genderless, which is great. And it's great in this modern world. So this is, uh, I can't even really tell you if it's, it's more unisex. Um, it's, it's a diamond. It's really specific small eye shape but also large on the sides um, it's really amazing uh, and for us uh, we're doing a new thing where we um, take a, a sunglass which we usually use as our image piece and we do one colour only in black um, which really helps us because no offence to the eyewear industry but you walk through the halls here in Silmo and you see countless countless photos of people wearing small round optical frames and it's boring so we like to be not boring in Cutler and Gross. I'll help you out a little bit because you're, you're struggling there almost to describe the shape. And there's a reason you're struggling. And that is that on the one hand, it has very sharp diamond geometric angles to it. But on the other hand, it has a lot of soft curved edges. That's why it's really hard to explain. So from a distance, what you see is, yeah, basically a, a diamond shape. But as you get closer up, um, certainly on the inside of the frame, it, it's very, very curved. And that's what's really clever about this frame is, is the, the juxtaposition of both. Yeah, I mean, uh, the way we work on on, uh, on our frames, it's, it's not just a, a 2D shape. Um, we do a lot of work with milling. Um, so we, we mill everything. We try and reduce as much weight as possible from the shape without, um, let's say, changing how it looks on the face. We also do a, a lot of work on the, the back of the frame. So each piece of our um, eyewear is usually made from a 8mm, 9mm, 10mm sheet, which then we mill down. So it's, it's, it's different than sticking on nose pads or anything like that. It's, it's a really, it's, it's a one piece um, let's say um, of, of, of acetate uh, which I think it makes it amazing also I guess uh, we tumble it for a lot longer than we did before which rounds off all of the edges um, some of the frames are tumbled from uh, anything from 48 to 72 hours plus depending on the finish we want um, which also you know, as uh, acetate tumbles it cures so it gets harder and harder it means you can polish and repolish um, uh, basically, you know, we, we try and make things that last forever. Um, and that's that's our motto, I think, you know. And it's interesting hearing you talk about the, uh, the production technique there because for me, looking at it, for a frame that is actually really, really complex and detailed, it's also very, very homogenous. You talk about one piece. It feels very coherent. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that when you see it sitting in the collection as well, so we, we have uh, every every season we've got inspiration a lot of the inspiration from this season is uh, drawn from 70s and 80s London which is amazing it's kind of where we were kind of experimenting a lot I think um, in general um, so uh, you know it's called the after party it's part of the after party collection 
and the collection before was called the Hacienda Collection. So we had the Hacienda at Mido, and now we've got the after party at Silmo. But if you remember the Hacienda, you weren't there. <laughs> no, exactly. And if you remember the after party, I don't know what's coming next, but I think maybe it's hospital collection, who knows? <laughs> it's the recovery collection. <laughs> maybe so. Talking of recovery, I get the sense that you might need a, a few days post-Silmo. It's been busy for you, hasn't it? It's been, it's been our best Silmo ever, yeah. I mean, I think we hit our target after day two. So it's been kind of all gravy since then. Um, it's been amazing. The reaction has been amazing. Um, we did a lot of work on the boots and uh, and the way it looks to make it feel like an experience. Uh, we're not just selling frames anymore. We want people to go away with the, the story and the feeling of, of having something lovely in their hands and looking forward to getting the deliveries because um, I guess the thing is things have changed. Um, we used to just open trays and if people liked it, they'd buy it. But now... Everyone wants to connect, um, and I think that's it's lovely to be back after COVID and connecting with all the people who are, you know, who are friends, colleagues, and I guess, um, you know, I've been doing this now. This is my tenth time at Selma, maybe eleventh. Oh, getting old, getting old, but it's great. It's it's amazing. It's been a it's been a great show. It's a worthy winner of uh, the Summer. It's a gorgeous frame. I think we did a sterling job at describing it. If you want to see it online, how do you do that? Um, you can go to cutlandgross.com uh, where we have everything. We also have a virtual try-on uh, so you can try it on. Um, I must also give a very, very quick mention to our creative director, Alessandro Marser, who joined uh, two and a half years ago. Um, and his vision um, and how it fits in with the, with the company and how we work, um, it's really been a recipe for success because um, I think he's got a real eye for pulling out the thin red thread of the DNA of a brand and pulling it you know into the future and I think that's a, it's a difficult task I would say because everyone you know a brand that's been around since 1969 and we've been making frames for sale since 1971 everyone's got their own opinion of what it should look like so it's quite a difficult job and I think he's done a fantastic job with this frame um, as an example but just in general across the collection. There's Jack Dooley, sales director at Cutler & Gross, Silmo Door winner for the best optical frame in the eyewear designer category. And from one Silmo Door winner to another, Essilor Luxottica. They won an award in the vision category for their Varilux XR series, a new verifocal lens which leans heavily on behavioural artificial intelligence. Céline Benoit is the project manager. So basically we did it first with a, what we call a digital twin. So we have uh, an internal tool, an R&D tool, where we are able to reproduce virtually an exact replication of a real person from the eyes, the head, the torso, but also the way the person will be moving. And we were also able to, we are also able to reproduce the 3D environment in which we make the people move, the digital twin move. And then this digital twin has lenses on his eyes, uh, simulated, uh, simulated virtual lenses, and we are able to evaluate the comfort, but also um, the performance uh, of, uh, of the lenses. And so, what we call behavioral artificial intelligence is that we needed data first to not only reproduce one digital twin, but an infinity of digital twin in different situation, different prescription, and so on. And then the. Behavioral artificial intelligence is the result of the analysis of this infinity of digital twin that we simulated. And then 
the, the result is that we are able to predict the visual behaviour of each patient. A question comes to mind, which is the way you describe it. Isn't this what you always did, just you're doing it now using a different technology? It's new because uh, on the past, when we were looking about, you know, uh, visual, uh, visual behaviour, it was average value. And so here, we really, it's, it's really new because we analysed an infinity, more than one million data. So it's, it's really new and it's personalised for each patient. So how's it going to work? Imagine I go back for new lenses. How am I going to bridge the gap between my appointment with my optician and the lenses coming into my glasses? What happens between those two things? Yes, so uh, what we do, in fact, it's, it's really easy because it's embedded in the calculation of the lens without having anything to do that is different uh, for the uh, optician. Meaning for that, uh, to have Varilix XR series with the predictive models, with the uh, behavioral artificial intelligence, you only need to have the prescription to order the lens. So basically, it will be sphere, cylinder, axis, addition for both sides because there is still, you know, binocular optimization behind, but you just need the prescription of the two eyes to order such a lens. And in terms of the gain, in terms of the improvement, how do you measure it? Is it a 5% difference? Is it a 30% difference? If you say it's 30, I'm going to worry about the lenses I have in my eyes right now. But how do you, how do you, how do you gauge it? Oh, yes. So in terms, first, I can say about in terms of simulation, we have um, an increase compared to the previous generation of plus four, uh, yes, 40, 49%. In terms of volume of vision, of fluidity and sharpness of vision inside this volume of vision. So plus 49 versus the previous generation. And we also had people uh, test the real lenses where we had very, very good results uh, in terms of performance of the lens. So if I was to wear these glasses I have now with these lenses and you were to create a prescription with the new lenses, are you saying I would notice the difference? Yes, and where would, I, where would I notice that difference? Uh, mostly in the vision and intermediate vision for the volume of vision. You will see, yes, instant sharpness in uh, intermediate vision and near vision. See, this interests me because one of the things I don't like about my uh, varifocal lenses, they're amazing for reading close up. They're amazing for seeing far away. I struggle a little bit with, for example, being on the laptop. Are you saying that these new lenses actually re um, repair that issue, which is a classic issue with very focals? So yes, and in addition to that, uh, beyond I mean laptop, it's also conceived in the way to um, well behave in terms of natural uh, ocular navigation for multitasking. So not only laptop, but also when you will be switching from laptop to smartphone to whatever you want to do. So yes. So we use the term innovation a lot. We use the term brand new a lot, revolutionary a lot. But for you, this really does feel like a massive revolutionary step. This is not an evolutionary step. It's a revolutionary step. Yes, I agree on the revolution, uh, revolution term, yes. Yes. You just need to experience it to see it. Yes, and we're, of course, always at the forefront of innovation. And this was perfectly demonstrated by the launch this year of the Responsible Business Award, which celebrates companies who place a strong emphasis on corporate and social responsibility. This inaugural award went to Maikita, and I spoke to brand director Julia Mehorn. I suggested to her that one of the reasons Maikita won was because, as a business, they focused on their CSR for a very long time. 
I think it's a responsibility for everybody, particularly for companies that are manufacturing themselves. And um, we see that uh, consumer uh, demands and needs are also um, yeah, shifting. So people are more and more paying attention to um, yeah, the brands and uh, how things are made. Um, so, yeah, it's something, a topic that is anyways very close to our heart. Our um, company has been founded on a made-to-order business model. Um, we are working in the concept of our modern manufacturing, so all frames are handmade at the Makita House in Berlin. We have a very close, integrated supplier network, um, producing um, yeah, all the parts in Europe as well. Um, and there are many, many topics, uh, I think, that we were able to show and prove with um, yeah, that um, we are very committed to this topic. And um, while it is um, a huge, a huge um, yeah, path that we have to go and we will probably never be a responsible brand, um, we do all that we can uh, to get better and improve and achieve progress in this field. Just before uh, Silmo this year, I did an episode with Dominique Royer, who's a French specialist on corporate and social responsibility. And I think what I took from that episode was that it's more than a term. You cannot say we believe in CSR and not actually live it. To use the cliche, if you're going to talk the talk, you have to walk the walk as well. And I wonder whether you feel that in your industry, that perhaps it's something that people are saying, oh, yes, yes, we're, we're, we, we believe in that. But perhaps not everyone is implementing it. And, and that's the next step of this process. Exactly. And I, we're very happy that actually Silmo decided to uh, launch this award because um, I think their idea and objective is really to put attention to the topic and inspire to you know, exchange about it, look into the scope of your work and see how uh, you can actually improve uh, within your area and your respective field of work. And I think uh, it's yeah exactly about that, to show best practices, to show examples uh, of the industry and uh, yeah to inspire the process uh, and uh, topic to be um, moved forward. Another thing I learned was that sometimes it doesn't need very much. Sometimes it's small gestures that actually make a very big difference. Have you seen that yourself at Maikita, the, 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 uh, the small gesture that really does shift things in a different direction? Absolutely. I mean, just thinking about um, how you can prolong the lifespan of a product is, I think, a good example. All our products, for example, are um, yeah, designed uh, to last, and uh, we've initiated repair services, for example, in our stores, um, but also for our opticians, so that uh, we can yeah, be quick in uh, helping our customers if there may be any issue, and uh, we can refurbish frames so they can yeah, uh, use the frames as long as possible, and uh, that's the goal, really. But isn't this the problem? Because here we are, we're at Silmo, uh, there was a Silmo last year, there will be a Silmo next year. Every year brands uh, renew their ranges, they want to sell new frames and then they can do the same again next year because that's how it works. Moving towards a model where actually you want your customers to be long-term users, where you want your customers to repair their frames, where you don't necessarily want them replacing your glasses or if we look at a different end of the market, you know, in, in, the, in the sort of fast fashion end, sort of having a pair of sunglasses one summer and then buying another pair of sunglasses the next summer. Changing that mentality is going to be very difficult. Probably, but I think it's our responsibility to uh, to do that, and it's also what we see that customers are expecting uh, more and more of, uh, of all the brands actually. Um, so there's no way around it, and if we want to achieve uh, progress, 
that's what we have to do. I think it's uh, our responsibility and it needs commitment to that. And because fundamentally, customers are not stupid. Um, customers are very, very savvy when it comes to our wider social and environmental responsibility. And I guess from what you're saying, you feel that you will create a more loyal clientele by doing what they want and what they believe in, rather than being driven by you know, creating new frames every six months, every 12 months. Your way of making them loyal is over a, perhaps over a longer period. Exactly, that's very true, and that's what we truly believe is important. Um, and then also, on the other hand, um, we make sure that with the products that we produce and that we put on the market, that they are recyclable. Um, so on the one hand, um, we follow our responsible design ethos, which also entails that we use um, responsibly sourced materials. Currently, 90% of all the material supply that we use for our frames are recycled material already, and all of the materials are recyclable. So that's also another factor to um, reassure uh, our customers that the product that they purchase can actually be recycled and even go um, yeah, back into the, to the circle um, yeah, of um, recycling, actually. Spoiler alert, the answer to this next question is going to be yes, okay? So you're going to say yes, but I'm going to ask it anyway and see if you can give me a longer answer than yes. When we talk about CSR, there is also this element of how companies treat their own employees, their responsibility towards the people within their business. For me, that's also a part of it, um, ensuring that you understand that you're working with humans and they have a life and they also have their own footprint on the environment around themselves. You're going to say Maikita is a great place to work. I know that. But in reality, how does Maikita ensure that its principles around CSR are actually applied internally as well? Um, yes, well, actually, there are lots of projects uh, that we are undertaking, and we are for sure, um, yeah, we for sure have a lot to do. But one example is um, that we are a company that works in the heart of Berlin and has over 100 and, uh, craftsmen working in our workshop in the heart of Berlin. So that's, I think, very rare. Uh, people cycle to work, they can cycle to work. Um, that's an emor- enormous advantage. And we try with a lot of um, projects, whether it's urban gardening project that we have. In our courtyard or home office solutions uh, that uh, reduces the commuting hours and uh, some of the recent uh, CSR achievements of Maikita include for example that we've uh, pioneered um, the full switch of our entire acetate supply last year to acetate renew in cooperation with our partner Eastman Um, and we are very proud uh, that we saw afterwards that many many companies in the industry followed so that was wonderful to see and we are very happy about that all of that is uh, part of what we're doing and beyond um, we're working on the, on the culture code um, and eventually with many many projects on their way um, at some point uh, we are aiming to be B Corp certified that's our ultimate goal and one thing is certain whatever happens going forward you will always be the first company to win the responsible business award at the Silmodor that's very true and that's what we are particularly proud of because uh, yeah, it proves that we are uh, you know, already uh, seen as a company that is doing great efforts and um, it's also yeah, very motivating that uh, we need to continue with um, all the efforts and that's what we are intending to do.
And if we want to find out more about all of the efforts you're doing, where do we do that? Um, so on mykita.com, we um, yeah, showcase um, a lot uh, about Mykita. You can learn about the company, its approach to design and manufacturing. And I think it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's worth looking it up. And for sure, we will uh, communicate about new projects, new achievements, also on our social media channel. M-Y-K-I-T-A dot com. Congratulations on your award. Thank you so much. Impressive company, Mykita, and worthy winners of the inaugural Silmo Award for Responsible Business. As I mentioned at the start, this year's Silmo has been incredibly bustling. I caught up with Emily Morel, Communication Director at Morel Lunette and President of Silmo, and asked her whether she thought this year's trade fair had been a success. Yes. I can tell you, yes, yes, yes. No, it's a great show. We're very pleased. Uh, 9.50 exhibitors this year and uh, many, many visitors from all over the world. Uh, I think it's a very good edition and let's uh, bon. <laughs> Last year we spoke about retrouvailles, uh, meeting again, coming together again after COVID. This year it feels like everything has gone forward. Everything is dynamic. People are now able to, to look ahead and, and also to look ahead with confidence. Yeah, well, I think people are happy to, to be at Silmo, to meet, we do business, they can discover some new uh, trend. Uh, no, it's a nice window of all the optical industry. And this year, the, the big ceremony on Saturday, some incredible winners, uh, most if not all of whom I've interviewed here uh, around Silmo, uh, winners of, uh, of technological advances, design advances, creativity. Uh, the optical world is very vibrant today. And I think you can see that the Silmo door, the creativity, the innovation, we are very lucky. We have a very, very strong industry. And finally, your partnership with uh, the IOA, uh, your international optician of the year this year was French. He's brilliant, Jean-François Porte. Uh, he was very moved, very, uh, very uh, excited to win the award. Uh, that's a great award and, and, and a great winner as well this year. That was a surprise, a French and a French optician. And I think he's doing a terrific job. And uh, congratulations to Jean-François Porte. And you know what is great, whether it's Jean-Francois or many of your winners, above all, these are, these are passionate people about your industry and they're good people, they're nice, they're nice people. And that's what I love about Silmo. It brings together really, really good people. Yeah, we are lucky. We have a very nice industry. And uh, I think, yeah, the optical industry, it's to help millions of people to see better. So, yeah, that's terrific. Emily, thank you. You're welcome. There's Emily Morel, really proud of the Silmo her business has had this year. And it's clear that this year's Silmo has seen a great influx of visitors from far and wide, even from Australia. I'm Martine Berman. Um, I'm from Sydney, Australia. I have flown 23 hours to get to Silmo. Your first Silmo? My very first Silmo. So very excited to be here. What are you hoping to find here? Just to have a look at different ideas, um, check out the European flair, which you don't get in Australia. Tell me more about that. What do you mean you don't see that in Australia? Um, well, they just don't have necessarily the colour and the fun and the brightness of Europe. But you have the clientele in Australia who would love that. Correct. <laughs> and in terms of what you've seen so far, what's jumped out? So the size, the diversity, the colour, um, the variety, shapes styles 
And in your in your journeys around Silmo, has anyone mentioned the Rugby World Cup? Ah, yes, they have. Any Welsh people you've bumped into? <laughs> no, no Welsh, only French. <laughs> so no mention of the Wales Australia rugby result. No, we've tried to keep that a secret. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Lovely to meet you too. Let's finish this episode with a husband and wife team, Wolfgang and Susanna Rexer, whose brand Colibris specialises in frames for women with small faces. This year marked a special anniversary for Colibris. They've been coming to Silmo for a long, long time. Yes, we are tw- uh, 20 years here and um, uh, we, uh, the collection is 24 years old and we like to come to Paris. Everyone loves to come to Paris. Do you still find it worthwhile to come to Silmo, to bring your products, to meet your customers? It still makes sense for you? Yes, um, it's so. Uh, we have uh, not so much German, we are from Germany and we have not so much uh, German clients. We have uh, uh, from Canada, America, Scandinavia, some French people, not so much. We love to get more and um, that's very nice to see the international clients here. As I walk around Silmo, one of the things I try to do is, is see differences on people's stands, the things that differentiate one frame from another, one brand from another. And your brand caught my eye because your slogan is great glasses for small faces. And this face in front of me, Susanna, was the small face. Tell me the story. Yeah, so I'm optometrist in Germany and uh, we have the problem that we don't find frames for the small sizes. And then we make it by our own. And we uh, find uh, production in Germany who make the first frames. Now we have uh, three production in Europe and two in Germany and one in Italy. Uh, we see that um, many opticians in, in the world need uh, uh, frames for, for this size and for the smaller noses and for the smaller temple. And therefore we make it and uh, many people come today to say that's good. It wouldn't work for a big head like me, that's, that's for sure. But, but Susanna, it's interesting because when I look at you, you're, what, one metre 60, one metre something, something around that. Um, you look a fairly classic size. Your, your face doesn't look much smaller than normal. But from what Wolfgang is saying there, you used to have difficulty. It was a problem for you to find glasses. In the past, I don't found uh, faces for my for my face and uh, then my husband uh, created a collection and I am happy. And Wolfgang, for you with the clients you see, it is very important for them to find the right size for their face. That's right. Um, it's so normally the, you have to, uh, to sell uh, children frames yeah? and therefore I know uh, because I'm every day in the job what we need um, for, uh, for this person and they have other nose and they have uh, they need a uh, not so long temple and therefore we created the frames and uh, we find many uh, opticians uh, who looks for the quality yeah, and therefore we, we get the feedback that we are on the right way. Your journey from optometrist to brand and manufacturer is quite common. I, I see it quite a lot at Silmo. Tell me about your story. 
Yeah, so I'm, uh, I have a dream to make an own shop and uh, we started for 32 years and now we can say we have 35 uh, opticians in our shop and uh, we, we built a, one of the biggest shops in, in Germany and um, so um, we, um, we, we created the, the collection and it's uh, heavy work uh, to make both but um, we get the feedback and that's nice Susanna, I must ask one last question. You are married to the man who you work with. Yes. How does that go? Oh. <laughs> She doesn't want to answer. And Wolfgang has left this. Wolfgang, do you want to answer? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's um, not boring. And it's so uh, our whole family, our uh, two daughters, they are invited and they are also in the firm and they love it. And uh, it's our uh, dream uh, to make the frames. You are both smiling, so it must be good. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do hope these episodes from Silmo 2023 are giving you a sense of the energy and passion of this year's edition. There are two more episodes in English to come from Villepin. Up next, Bill Barton, Silmo door winners Marchand and Andy Wolf, and I visit one of my very favourite designers from this year's show. As I mentioned earlier, please do follow this series. You'll get notified of all future episodes. And please leave us a rating if you can. It really helps get the word out there. Have a listen too to all the previous episodes. Amazing guests right from the heart of your industry. And if you have French colleagues, do point them in the direction of the French episodes as well. From a warm and sunny Villepin, from me, Nick Coffer, and of course all the Silmo family, it's goodbye for now.